Is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. So how are we feeling about this week being the week that uh, Aaron Rodgers makes his decision? We think it's going to happen? Because uh, I know, LeVar, you were saying last Tuesday for sure. I was trying to tell you it was going to be another week. Yeah, are uh, we so doing another over-under? I was just, I don't, are we going to make know. this an over-under? Uh, I, I, I don't know that I want to do that uh, based oh, on how the last okay. one went. I'm going to uh, still stay with the over. Okay. I mean, so you, you think it's going to be longer than this week? Yeah, I think it's going to be an over. It's got to be soon, though. It's got to be soon. I mean, I would assume. Yeah, with the league year and and everything else, uh, you know, free agency starting. Uh, yeah. You know, they probably need all a those decision. things. You know, like football business. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sure. It's. Uh, I mean, you know, it was a uh, a noisy front in the rumor mill uh, circuit as far as Aaron Rodgers goes this weekend. I mean, we heard all sorts of stuff come out. Uh, he was uh, quote unquote torn uh, between uh, going back to Green Bay and going somewhere else. What a uh, movie. We've now seen uh, three teams emerge. As uh, potential suitors for Rodgers, if he leaves Green Bay, that would be the Steelers, the Broncos, and the Titans. What a movie! Uh, another one says there's a massive uh, contract on the table from the Packers uh, that, according to Jeremy Fowler, uh, is going to uh, alter the uh, quarterback market. Uh, there's also the Broncos side of it; they're reportedly all in on trying to pursue Aaron Rodgers if he does decide to lead. So this whole thing, um, although he's never said anything or he hasn't spoken about it and he's never made any decisions all the rumors surrounding Aaron Rodgers have popped up and it was a busy one this weekend so there's that have fun with all that mm-hmm. setting the table wasn't that interesting because everything we heard from Brian Gutenkunz and how they tried to play this off and if you read an article or if you didn't actually see his face when he said it when he's like yeah no no one's called no one's called at all about uh trades for Aaron Rodgers, uh, you would have thought that there wasn't more to that. But the, the reality is, over the course of the week in Indianapolis, as much as we think that what's happening there is all about the draft prospects, I can assure you it's about anything but the draft prospects. And these conversations, these trades, whether you know you, we'll see them coming up here at the start of the new league year, um, deals like Max Crosby's, for example, who, who just signed an extension, um, or, or was reportedly uh, agreed to an extension. None of that's official until the start of the new league year, but all that actually happens in Indianapolis when everyone in the entire football world is there rubbing shoulders and, and quote-unquote bumping into each other accidentally to have some of these conversations. So there's three teams he could potentially go to, the Tennessee Titans, the Denver Broncos, the Pittsburgh Steelers. While, while it was all quiet on the Aaron Rodgers front, his agency was, you know, working to get a sense for what each of those three places, which are three destinations that he's evaluating and looking at, would be willing to offer to the Packers in exchange for his services. Now, I would imagine the framework of a contract is going to be similar at all those places, depending on their cap situation. There might be some, some minor structures. Like, for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers never, never, never sign players to big signing bonuses. Yeah, never do it. They just don't. So if that trade would work, it'd have to be one in which the Packers would have to pay a significant portion of the signing bonus, right? Don't you remember Ben Roethlisberger's deals? They never had huge signing bonuses in them. Antonio Brown became frustrated with the structure yeah. of his, so that <laughs> ended up leading, you know, leading to him not being there anymore. Le'Veon Bell couldn't get a long-term deal done. 
I played you know one year under the franchise tag, almost two. You know, all that has to do with the structure of it. So they'll be similar in nature. The, maybe the trade compensation will be similar in nature, but the actual you know contract he'd be playing under. It's going to be different depending on where he goes or, or how that trade would work out then it will be different. But um, it's all out there on the table right now. It's now up to Aaron Rodgers to figure out what he wants to do and what gives him the best chance. And I'm going to be honest with you, staying in the NFC probably gives him the best chance of winning a Super Bowl because of how many good young quarterbacks there are in the AFC. That being said, I mean, they haven't been able to do it in Green Bay. Like, that has to be in the back of his mind somewhere. The fact that as good as he's played the last two years, as good as they've been, they still have not been able to do it in Green Bay. Even if that does give them the best shot, what would make him think that sometime in the next two years that would, they'll be able to change their course? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the three teams, what are they again? Denver, Denver Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. They're they're all AFC teams. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, if that's what being floated out there as to the possible landing spots for him, or those are the trade suitors that that are out there, I, I mean, even though it's the AFC, and even though it would seemingly be harder, I I think first off, the AFC North is up for grabs. I, I think that right now, that's 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 a that's a division that's up for grabs. Um. When you look at the the AFC West, that certainly is a taller task. But if if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm paying attention to the trends, it seems doable. It seems like a doable task if if my team is what it needs to be personnel wise, and I get the things that I want to have in that that scenario. Tennessee, I feel like it's the same thing. So while I I I'll, I'll certainly think that the AFC is definitely a harder road to hoe to get to to that final game. There's the possibility that some of the other elements that are involved with the teams that he would go to, like I, I think that he would make the Pittsburgh Steelers a team revived. Like we don't really know how good this Steelers team is. And I honestly think it's because of the inept ability of what was taking place at at the level of play can, at the quarterback's position. Can, can I ask you this? Sure. If he goes in and they win a Super Bowl in year one in Pittsburgh, like what does that make Ben look like? Uh, it, 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 makes, it just confirms that it was just time. <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone is going to change their reverence of Ben based off of if they have it now. But I think everybody knew maybe this past year was kind of – and it's funny because you're looking at a team that really doesn't have a starting quarterback right now. Like Mason Rudolph should not be – that should not be on anybody's depth chart. That should not be out there in any type of reports that that is your starting quarterback. It just – we're waiting to see what happens is what I would say at this point. But I don't think that it would make Ben look bad, but it does It does scream they needed that, that revitalizing at that position. I think that that's really all that's missing right now in some ways in regards in Pittsburgh – and you could say the same exact thing for I mean, Denver as well. You could say the same exact thing for Tennessee. Well, I, I was just going to say, it's been six years since the Steelers made it to an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, say what you want about the Packers. They've actually been there, though, a little more recent. But the last time the Steelers won a Super Bowl, or excuse me, um, 
let me put it this way: the the last time the Steelers went to a Super Bowl was the same, you know, same time as the Packers. Yeah, yeah. The pack. Yep. It just happened to be the Packers that that won that one back in 2010. So kind of interesting because, like, as much as you look at Ben's career and what he's done, it's been a while since like he had actually been able to take his team deep into the playoffs. You know, six years ago was the last time they actually made it to the AFC Championship game. Ten years ago was the last time, or more than that, what, 12 years ago, when they actually made it to the Super Bowl. So it, it's kind of weird because you're always like, oh, yeah, he's got two Super Bowls. Also. You're like, yeah, dude, that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. They didn't feel that way, but like, I feel like, in all honesty, like there's a generation of Pittsburgh Steelers fans who haven't seen that type of success or that sort of play from Ben Roethlisberger. If Rodgers goes in there in year one, and plays anywhere close to the way that I, th- I think he's capable of, obviously being a back-to-back MVP, um, it would it would make Ben look bad for the for the way or the I guess the way he didn't prepare himself throughout the course of the offseason and take care of his body and all that. If there are three aspects of it that impact Rogers' decision, being meaning you know familiarity, finances, and potential to win a Super Bowl. Do any of those teams, Denver, Pittsburgh, or Tennessee, offer anything better than Green Bay can offer? That that's why I just I I don't I don't buy that they're legitimate threats to to get him. I think there's there's options on the table, but ultimately, if he really is wants to win a Super Bowl, or if he's looking, uh, if the finances are really that important to him, and we know Green Bay's moving stuff around to try and make it make sense, I just find it hard to believe he would just bolt to go to one of those yeah, other situations. I, I think it comes well, back. All it's all things given. Right, I mean, if you right. compare to coaches, I, I mean, who who is is Lafleur better than any of those those coaches outside I mean, Vrabel, of, outside of Vrabel just one coach of the year it, it, and Tomlin. I mean, right? I, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it this way: like the coaches, if that's what you're saying, I, I think they're better, at least in the case of Pittsburgh and, and Tennessee and at this point. Tennessee, correct. So that's what I'm saying. So in terms of overall, if you're looking at at the the idea of being able to get there and win it somebody who's going to be able to format it and, and structure it the right way. I think that Tennessee is – I think Tennessee would be the mo- most attractive of them all. Yeah. If you're asking me. Tennessee's yeah. the – that is the most attractive if I'm Aaron Rodgers. So. You, you, you've got a coach who's awesome. And Mike Vrabel, players love him, obviously. It's easy to see. He just won coach of the year. They've been as steady and consistent as you'll find. They've got a roster that he's not going to have to do everything, but he's capable of. It's a great place to live. Um, there's been reports that he's bought land at some point, you know, somewhere in Nashville. But I always caution people when you hear a report, report like that because that's what rich people do. Yeah, all right? they, true. They, <laughs> they buy land or they buy like nice houses and nice places. All right, very that's, true. That's how it works. Yep. Like, oh, you're rich. Yeah, I got like eight homes. Anyway, <laughs> so <very> true. <laughs> there's there's that element of it. But then you look at. Um, the, the offense. Now, this would be the hard part. I think either he's learning a new system or he's coming in and they're saying, all right, we'll, we're going to learn yours and what you like to run. So maybe that works to his advantage, similar to how John Fox handled things with Peyton Manning when he came in. Um, you know, with Pittsburgh, again, question marks about the contract, how that work. You have to say it's the best defense of any of those rosters. Very true. He'd be going And to. it's a young defense. Young, def- young offense. Young and offense. one that you've got talent now. You know, with Najee in the backfield and Pat Fryermuth at tight end, yeah. then you look at the wide receivers. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, a lot of ability there, but the contract could be an issue. Who knows what the offense would look like under Rodgers? That makes you scratch your head. Denver's got, I think, the most cap space 
to be able to make it happen. And I think they'd be aggressive enough and willing enough, given how the last few years have gone, to give up a lot in the draft to make it happen. They've got a solid roster, too. I, th- I think their roster's probably as well or if not more well-rounded than maybe even Green Bay's at this point. The problem is that division you're playing yeah. in. And, and, but, again, you don't have to learn offense. you got Nathaniel Hackett as your head coach, um, the, the, you know, the quarterback coach he knows. So a lot of familiarity and another badass place to go live. And I'm not trying to take away from Green Bay. I'm not. It's a special place when you're part of a football organization. That's where your life is, is pretty much it's, – it's all football during that time of year. But if you want to be at a place where, like, you can hang out a little bit more in the offseason or, or come back and forth or you get a night out – it is a little different when, you, when, you're in, when you're in Nashville, when you're in Denver, when you're in some of these other bigger cities. Trust me, it's no disrespect on Cleveland, which I love. But when I got traded to Denver, it was like, oh, okay, this city's awesome. <laughs> like, like, trust me, it was a little different feel when the, when the players would all be going out together and you go out to different restaurants and, and clubs and things uh, than what it was at that time in Cleveland. You, so it's just different. You mentioned people buying homes. I just will offer this to everyone out there. If Aaron Rodgers ND goes to Pittsburgh, I will most likely move to Pittsburgh and I will move by leaving here and going across country and walking and derobing the whole entire journey to Pittsburgh. So by the time I get to my new abode, my my new my new digs, I will be booty butt naked walking into my door to get my home, and I will sit there an entire football season in my birthday suit if Aaron Rodgers ends up in, in Pittsburgh. I'm just – I mean – Until they win the Super Bowl. That's a tad bit aggressive. Uh, I'm just telling you, until they you, win the Super Bowl. Are, All you, right. are you that – so you're saying it's not going to happen, or are you that excited if it happens? It's It's both. Okay. It's both. Okay. It's both. It, I would certainly be. Relax. I would be that. Okay, I should. <laughs> I appreciate you reeling me back in. Aaron. You came out I, hot. I, I just, I'm All just right. saying. I, I I know what that would do for my team, and I would probably move there. The watch. I, I would probably get season tickets. I would move to probably McCandless or or somewhere in that that area and hang out and and eat. You know Monticello's pizza every day, which is amazing, and uh, and I would have Iron City beer, and and I would probably get even bigger, uh, uh you know, belly, a beer belly, <laughs> and but I would be watching Aaron Rodgers play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man. All, right. all right, so now uh, now we're all rooting for the uh, Steelers apparently to sign Aaron Rodgers. I would still do this all show. Right. I still do the show. Yeah, just, I'd uh, just be in Pittsburgh, uh, nude. Nude. Yeah. The entire right. time. I would not leave my home. Very good. Just so you guys know. Like, oh, LeVar man. can't come to this uh, appearance that we're having because he would come with no clothes on. So there you go. You can't get on the airplanes that way. I know? mean, do we, we've got that document. you got to wear a mask. Right? You have to wear masks on airplanes, let alone the rest of your clothes. So I wouldn't be able to fly to our events. Uh, we did get, get that documented in the back. So we have that on recordly. Oh, that, that's, that's archived for okay, sure. Okay. Very good. I might All use right, a, so. a leaf. You know, I might use leafs. Uh, a belt leaf. Oh, that's like yeah. Yeah, some Adam and Eve stuff. Yeah, yeah. I might really go out like real, real old school, like the oldest of old school, like only two people on earth old school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just letting you know. More like a palm tree branch. I mean, uh, all right. It yeah, is, I'm uh, just saying, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, you got to make sure you get the coverage. <laughs> two pros and a cup of Joe. Sports radio. I'm not even going there. 
Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So uh, Jordan Davis is kind of an athlete, huh? Oh, uh, you mean, think so? You know, 6'6", 340 plus, uh, 47840. Eh, no big deal. Just uh, just out there moving, huh? Um, grizzly bears have <laughs> been crossbred with humans for many, many years, and they have just now decided to start to release the results and the prototypes of of these these mutation breedings, and that that was what you saw out there on that. That, that had to have been about 35, 40 miles per hour that that young man was running at that size. <laughs> um, that's scary. That that's all you can say is that's scary on two legs, two feet. Let's let's give out the measurements first, right? He's hmm. six foot what seven? Yeah, six six, six six, a little over six six. Okay, yeah. six six. And now, mind you, you're going to say the weight right now. And what I want to remind people of is it was thought he played 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> okay. It was, th- it, it, was, it was thought that when you go back and you see highlights of this young man, Jordan Davis, who we're talking about out of Georgia, who is massive, that he played 40 pounds heavier and he lost this much weight to do what he was doing at the combine. He Wasn't was, it 318 he was, was that? He was no, 380? No, 318. It's 380. At 380. the combine? How at much the combine is 341. 341. Good. Golly. Jesus, He's 6'6", six six, 341. I, I By the way, he's almost 6'7". I don't know if people comprehend that. Did you see his movement in the movement drills? Yeah. I just don't. I don't. He. I don't. Uh, I don't understand it. Like when, And when I say I don't understand it, he was moving like a linebacker. I don't. I mean, he was doing. They had him doing linebacker drills, and he was doing them better than some of the linebackers that were there. I just don't. When when you try to comprehend certain things, I think sometimes. Like I told this story. I tell this story all the time to try to give people like a kind of an idea of what it would be like to really deal with some of these dudes on a football field. If you've ever seen. Like at the at the zoo, you see how the lion or the tiger or the bears that you see, even orangutans and and apes and gorillas and stuff. You see how docile they are in their in their habitats, and they're they're just there, and and they're just sitting there and they're watching and they're hanging out, and it's like oh. They don't look so dangerous. That you see people falling into the enclosures and all that stuff cuz they just get so comfortable that like wow, they're my friend. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're not your friend. And in fact, in in different circumstances, they will remove your head from your body. Oh yeah. That's what we're talking about with this young man right here. This man could probably remove your head from your body. That's that's how serious the size, the speed, the power, all those the, the agility. That's whoever gets them. I, I mean, if he stays healthy, you're you're talking about like a next great one coming into the league. Honestly, I'm I'm so, excited about it. W- one of the concerns and one of the reasons why I'm I'm talking about his weight is it was thought that he wasn't going to be able to play all three downs on the field. He was going to be viewed as oh, can you take that guy in the top? 20 top 25 if he's only going to play a few downs because he's too big to be in there on passing downs you want more speed you want more quickness and 
Boy, he proved them wrong. All, right, like, all he God, did was he to drop that weight to get down to a size that he moved like a dancing bear. Like you hear that phrase sometimes. That's what he was out there in the field. And he seems like a great kid. Like, oh, you know, I, I had a chance, obviously, to be there in Indianapolis. Um, I sat down with a number of them. Sat down with Nicobe Dean, their linebacker, who is he's as nice. He's, he's a great player on tape. He's an even better person when you sit there and talk to the young man. Mm. He's a chemical engineer. Oh, wow. He looked like he, a leader on the field. Yeah, he's smart as all get out. Like, he's got all of those attributes, all those things. But you start talking to some of these kids, and you just go, man, the caliber of young man, men that you're talking about matched with what they're doing out there. That's it's awesome. It's just the, the sky's the limit. The sky's really the limit for him. That is awesome to hear. So Davis would have been the eighth fastest tight end. Wow. At, at this year's out of how line. many titans? Uh, oh, bro, I, they might they might put him in for some I, stuff. I, I on was goal line. I was gonna say if you're six six plus three forty and you're running a four seven eight and he's got a thirty two inch vertical, like why wouldn't they throw him in a tight end at times? I, I just he, ain't never heard of nothing like that. It's funny though; he doesn't have that long of arms for how tall he is. I think he has thirty four inch arms. Like you'll get some tackles that have like what thirty seven or whatever it is. I mean, you get some guys with some long arms out there now. What is what is the? And I tried to look up to see if there is props on on over unders on where he's expected to get drafted because it was I think it, I think it was Albert Breer who mentioned something to us during the football season. It might have been before the national title game, where he was saying that. In talking to somebody in the NFL, they said that uh, Georgia may not have a top 10 pick, but every guy in their front seven they expect is going to go in the top 200 of the draft. Every yeah. guy in their starting yeah. front seven. So where? So is Davis the first one to go? Is he now? Is he now catapulted himself into a top Whoa. 10 potentially? That linebacker. Yeah, but but oh, no, I won't be the linebacker. It'll be Trayvon Walker. Trayvon the, the DM. The DM. That kid. The DM. He blew out the whole thing too. Go go look up his stats. I believe he was like six foot five. He might have been around two seventy something. Wow! And he ran like a four five. I mean, like rare rare speed, athleticism, versatility along their front. That and that. I mean that that's just it's another dude. Like <laughs> just it's just another dude in their defense. So uh, he's the one that I, I remember talking to some scouts before the games that we had. And they kept saying, hey, keep it on this Trayvon Walker kid. Like, he's the secret that no one wants to get out. Well, the secret's out now. Mm. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man, just seeing these guys. Uh, what was it, What was your fastest 40 ever, LeVar? 438. Okay. At 242. Four th- what are you talking? 438. What are you talking about? Can, can we have this conversation, by the way? What the hell was going on with the 40 times? It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. unfair in some ways – to these young men because you can't be normal anymore well that that's <laughs> part of it you can't be normal anymore it, it, that's part of it but it was the fact that like you had some guys like Ta- taekwon thornton thought he broke the record he thought he had the fastest 40 time in the history of the combine only come to find out the guy was seven hundredths off which is, is kind of a lot if we're really being geeks about this you have other guys like isaiah pacheco who ran a four four seven Okay, it's a good time for a running back who's 215 pounds, 210 pounds, whatever he was. Come to find out, he has the fastest. He's at 437 once it's official. I mean, I heard the backstory is that Charlie Casserly, who normally does that unofficial time you see on TV, he's not doing it anymore. So you went from a guy who did it forever and was really consistent and, and close to the actual official time, which is kind of remarkable when you think about it because it's a hand time. 
to a guy named Mark, Mark Ross, who's in his first year doing it and is all over the place. I mean, that guy must have been going out and uh, hanging out at Prime 47 <laughs> late at point, night. Point zero one. <laughs> like, when, when Alave was running, was he like, oh, did you say 30 or 40 yard dash? Okay, right. let me let me redo this because what was he, a tenth of a second off? I, uh, I, I more think, than that. Yeah. It, was like, it was like a tenth and three hundredths. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, I, I just, look, we, we talked about it on Friday. It seemed like they were... They were really loud about the unofficial times, and then when it came to correcting them and giving out the official times, and it was a little bit more of a whisper. Almost like, you know what? Generate some buzz for a couple hours, and then we'll go back and we'll correct it later on. It's like, what, what are we doing At here? some point, the 40 has to be, like, I don't know. It just has to be entertainment. At That's some point. That's, because to me, first off, I'm going to just say this. I, I never, I never found myself in a position where I couldn't catch a dude that ran a faster 40 than me on the football field. Never. I never had a dude in my prime, there was never a dude that could run away from me. So I don't care what your 40 time is on the field. I know the dimensions of the field. Well, yeah, plus you got a football. Right? right? And you go... I it, 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 I don't care. You are a piece of meat to me. I don't care football or not. I, don't, I was coming to eat you. But, but here's the thing, right? At some point, it just becomes a tr- – it's like a track meet to me now. Right. Like it, just watching – because if you understand how this all works, it truly is how you are trained to run it. And if you understand the mechanics and what it is that you need to do to run a fast time, you can you can mask a lot of other things. Like I would be I would be curious to see how many top forty yard dash getting guys at key positions had had great careers as pros. I would be curious. Because a lot of times you hear the guys that don't have the best forty times end up being the Hall of Famers that that come out of those well, come out of the well, draft. John Ross has the fastest ever. Right. No, I mean you can go through the list to your point, Lavar. You will not find a guy in the top. I want to say five at wide receiver who've had a great career. The funny thing about that is like Jarvis Landry on the other side of the spectrum. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he ran like a four seven seven. Okay, <laughs> the guy's been to five Pro Bowls. All right. I think since his draft class, he's he's led the league in receptions. Like it is as it's so overblown. It really doesn't apply to football. But that being said, I still think it's cool. So it is like, cool I, to I, watch. I love watching it. I, I do love watching t- it. It's just it's mind blowing that now the new standard is in the four threes. That's like the new like the dude ran a four. I think he ran like a four five. A safety ran a four five, and people were like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, Kyle oh. Hamilton, the Notre Dame kid, he ran a four was, five nine. It was like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh. A four five, <laughs> undraftable. <laughs> like, wait a second. That's that that kid is moving. It's just that these other dudes is on they on caffeine time. I mean, it's a little different. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at six a.m. Eastern, three a.m. Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game. What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture. 
you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Speaking of college basketball, uh, Coach K's final home game in his illustrious career at Cameron Indoor Stadium over the weekend, and uh, they got smoked <laughs> by North Carolina. Oh man, what a uh, what a bummer! Uh, here was uh, here was Mike Shashevsky afterwards. Um, he was uh, <laughs> still uh, still very bothered uh, by what happened. Uh, he went back into the locker room, uh, and then he came back out to give uh, his uh, speech uh, with all his legendary uh, players from his uh, his time there at Duke. Uh, here was coach k this isn't part of the program this is impromptu by me i'm sorry about this afternoon that no please no please everyone be quiet let me just say it's unacceptable today was unacceptable but the season has been very acceptable I think he needed a few more minutes to cool off before he uh, yeah. took the mic. Yeah. Uh, that was not <laughs> he was pissed. And, and by the way, uh, here's to all those uh, betters out there who thought, oh, yeah, Coach K is last game and Cameron Indoor. Thanks, uh, they're just going to wallop up uh, <laughs> on UNC. UNC, they're not going to come out there and put up a fight. And I, I believe the line closed at um, plus 11, plus 11 and a half in some books. So that was easy money. But – the funny thing about it is, for anyone who was watching, he was, you know, as, as typical Coach K, a ton of respect, sportsmanship. He walked up to each UNC player and spoke to them, you know, shook their hand, looked them in their eyes, and then he beelined into the locker room. And you could tell he had the red ass going. Like, he was huh? fired up about this. And so when he came back out, they had it set up where he, he was supposed to sit down, they're going to play this video, all this stuff. But those words you just heard, he, he just, like, walked over, talked to him, but, like, wanted the mic. He wanted the mic right away to just basically say, like, look, I can't get past this. Even the entire time, <laughs> once he sat down after he said that, you could see the look on his so face pissed. like, this is the most bitter ending to how this all ends uh. for us. And, it, you know, I remember this with Barry Alvarez. They did this with Barry Alvarez, I think his last game in Wisconsin. I can't recall if it was Iowa who they're playing against, but they were up at halftime, and they did this whole thing, right? This whole pregame thing and the family down there and the montage, all this stuff, right? And then they ended up blowing the halftime lead and losing the game. And it just there's some, there's some sort of like bitterness to it that when it's your last time, your last lap, and you know these sorts of you know scenarios could play out, it's tough because that is his last game at Cameron Indoor as a coach. Mm. You know, they go to the ACC tournament, played in Brooklyn. He won't obviously be back for that. And then they go on, you know, the NCAA bracket, the March Madness, and they're not playing at home for that. So I just, it is kind of sad to see how it ends to a rival like that. I mean, it wasn't even like close. It wasn't like a last second shot. They played poorly. UNC beat the crap out of him, and that unfortunately will be his last memory there at Cameron Indoor. Mm. And and they couldn't close out. A, like North Carolina just kept hitting shots, just kept hitting threes. Well, and, and, and th- th- that's why I feel like Duke's going to have a hard time. Even if and I, and I know they won the ACC regular season, but they're going to have a hard time winning it all this year. Even though that was what a lot of the fans were clamoring for. There's they're crying at Cameron Indoor. 
uh, they can't shoot consistently well the way they need to. They're just they're not that team, and I think they could be susceptible to losing to a team that that shoots as well as UNC did or anyone else for that matter. Do you think? Uh... Look, when it's all said and done, a couple years from now, he's got his national titles. He's got, you know, five. He's, uh, you know, just a, a successful career. One of the Is great he going to stay retired? Is that where well, you're going? No, no, no. I'm not doing that. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, no, you know, not, you enjoy doing, doing that, that with the greats. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not going down that okay, road. Go but do you think this loss is going to stay with him for a, a, a significant amount of time? Because I feel like. This really bothered him a lot, especially it's his arch rival, uh, you know, a, a double digit favorites at home. All his former players were there, all the greats from his national title teams throughout the course of his career. His family's there. I mean, it was one of the hottest tickets, uh, thousands upon thousands of dollars to even get into the building. Yeah, crazy. And it was all slanted towards. Mike Shashevsky, let's send him out a winner, and he got smoked. Hubert Davis was a player. Think about this. Player, whole career, done career, analyst, this, that, coaching. Now he's the coach of, of UNC. He's not even on the same – he's not in the same storybook in coaching as Mike Shashevsky. It's not well, yeah, it's, it's not it's a his first year at UNC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not so it's not even to me what I'm saying is is if that was against Dean Smith or you know or yeah. something to that that extreme then you say you know what that this one stings because you didn't want to go out to a pair that way. I, I think that losing to a young guy and, and and he's not young but a young coach in the game losing to like the new guard of what's taking place I don't. I just don't think people will remember it unless Hubert Davis turns his career into one. If this was the start of his legendary career, so to speak, and I still don't think that that would tarnish or stick with what the legacy of what Mike Shashevsky. I don't built. know, dude. I, I think guys who are wired like him, yeah, they never forget. I mean, you're talking about 42 years coaching. Five national championships. I believe they won 15 ACC, man, those regular season titles. Yeah. Um, this stuff doesn't leave him. It'll always stay with them because that's how they're wired. That's how they're geared and motivated. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why he was so frustrated after the fact. He probably knows in his mind at, at 75. And by the way, 75 years old. God, I pray I could look like that when I'm 75. Yeah, that guy yeah. looks like he's maybe 60. And he's like as sharp as can be still. It's pretty phenomenal when you think about how long he's done what he's done and how good a shape he's still in. I mean, he could coach another five years if he wanted to. His grandkids are probably almost grown. Or if yeah, not they are. I mean, grown, I mean, right? So I, I think he's I, out there. It might be <laughs> right. It, <laughs> it might it might sit with him a little bit in the in the initial, but I just think that again, he's got too much accomplishment. <laughs> My wife was well, like, "Why? Why is she wearing a crop top out there? Like she didn't know this is her granddad's last game." Like, oh, like I, I, we're I, something. I, yeah, I know who you're oh. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, uh, My oh. wife was like, I "What?" Need, yeah. I didn't even need. Take us down that no, road. no, no. It was just it was it was a little odd because everybody seemed to be dressed up for the occasion, and yeah, um, yeah it was a, an interesting choice. Well, so here's where it relates. I used to do Coach K's show. Um, on, he, had, he had a show on Sirius, and I used to call in again. We talked some football and different stuff, and so I, I got to know him a little bit. And I, I've got three girls. He had three girls, and so we kind of can relate in that fashion. But he is as good of a human being oh, he's awesome. as you'll find. He, I mean, he is the best. Like one mm. of the coolest most down-to-earth, like, team building, the things he talks about, about basketball, it's so applicable to, like, life, 
whether it's your marriage or work or, you know, your, your friends, just the things he talks about that matters and he really preaches are all things that are helping these basketball players far after their career is over with. So it's, um, it, it's sad because he is Duke. Like, like I'll, I'll go as far as saying this. When I was young, like, I loved Duke basketball. I did too. And it was in part because, I yeah, him. I loved Grant Hill. Okay, but you either loved or hated uh, him. And, and that's the perfect deal. And that's, the, that's, that's the what he is. Deal. Yeah, yeah. But, but he was it. Like, he built that program. And, and really, you know, Grant Hill, which I don't think they'd won a national championship until Grant Hill got there, right? Yeah, well, yeah, the 91 and Grant Hill was a freshman, right. uh, I believe. Yeah. So it's just it's, – it's remarkable to see what he had built, what they'd done – uh, over that period of time for, for a small school. It's not a big enrollment, not a big school, but they've built that brand up over time to be what it is, which yeah. is the most polarizing, I think, in college basketball. Yeah. Absolutely. Consistently most polarizing for certain. Yeah. Well, because it's the blue blood sort of uh, – You either you know, wanted to see him win or you wanted to see him lose. Like, I, mean, I, I remember like Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner. Uh, why did everyone hate him? Leitner so much? He, he seemed to be like the most hated dude. Yeah. By the way, Leitner had actually a pretty decent NBA career, and nobody ever talks about that. He was an all-star but because he was such a great college player. And, you know, listen – And a cool dude, and, by yeah, the way. And, and also – He was a cool dude. Yeah, he was in Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you, um, you know, when you step on a guy's chest uh, in the middle of a game while he's on the floor, uh, you know, that, that might also be, uh, you know, part of the reason why they hate uh, Christian Leitner. I just think back in the day, if we want to address the 300-pound the – I won't put a color on the elephant in the room Why because because this is going to be, this is going to turn into a, a one of those conversations. <laughs> I that's what I think people hate. Like the people who hated Duke hated that Bobby Hurley could uh, look the way that he looked and and watch you and beat UNLV because I, I mean if I'm comparing what Bobby Hurley looks like to what Greg, Greg Anthony. Anthony and 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 uh, Hunt looks like or if i'm comparing what larry what, johnson larry johnson and stacy ogman and, yeah. right and moses scurry and ackles to to what what you know those guys look like i mean grant hill and then you got the other davis out there and, you know you got what like cool. two da- what was uh, it thomas davis right uh, and then there was another davis as well uh, yeah brian davis yeah i just you know to me you just looked at them and you like the black dudes that was on on duke you were like <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> well, what do you mean? I, like, you what, know, do you mean I, what do you mean, LeVar? I'm, I'm keeping it real with y'all. I'm just giving <laughs> y'all. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, 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 we going down the road for Coach Coach oh, Krzyzewski. Look at him. <laughs> Elton oh, Brand was not going to be playing for Rachel. UNLV, Doc. <laughs> Elton Brand was was not going to be a part of the Fab Five. I, I'm just just being honest with you. Forget y'all. that just, though. Like like Christian Leitner was hated because they thought he was some preppy ass white boy, and like, he was from Jersey, and he was serving them up. He's from Jersey, but I'm saying he wasn't that guy. No. Like they tried to make him out to be something he wasn't because of his hair or how he looked yes. because he was at Duke, yes. and he wasn't that. No. Like he he grew up a little rougher than that, and that's yeah. what people didn't realize. But nobody but, cared because no. he was at Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. They just, they just assumed because he was at Duke. But it's like, it's unbelievable. It's the greatest thing because Rachel. you're. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> but but the idea that you couldn't beat them, like you're seeing the best of the best. Like you will never see 
five players as good as as UNLV. Oh wait, you'll never see five players better than the Fab Five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you take you look at all of them. I mean, the the runs with Arkansas, the the runs with with different teams out there. It was always Duke who was became the adversary to these up and comers. They disappear. And then Duke is still there. And I think that that's what people came to, to expect. The greatness of Duke was always going to be on the other side of it. And Shashevsky always maintained a certain look and a certain brand for Duke. And that's just what it is. I mean, to me, that's just what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it just, if people are being truly honest. Yeah, that's why they hated Duke. <laughs> what I just told you. Yeah, and well, and also serving them up, man. That UNLV team uh, was so good, and they dominated Duke the previous year. So when Duke went back and upset them in the Final Four, and a lot of people shocked. thought it was a lot of people thought it was some. If you remember, it, there was some questionable deals in it, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Duke was always good enough to 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 do it. Yeah, that's the thing about it. Like, who else was out there that was good enough to do it? Like, oh, here comes the UNLV. No one will be able to beat them, right? You get into that tournament, and some strange reason, some way, somehow, you start looking at Duke. Like, man, Duke might be able to get them. And those were some of the most amazing games oh, to watch. Awesome. By the way, it was awesome. I mean, you forced Chris Re- Chris Weber to to call that fourth time out. They had them freshmen shook. They had them shook. Yeah. You know, but you wanted to see them win. Well, yeah. uh, Weber called the timeout against North Carolina. Was that Carolina? That, yeah, that yeah, was in 93. Carolina. But in 92, North Carolina team. Uh, Duke beat Michigan by 20. I there mean, you blew go. them out. And just, that was with, who was that with? Ramil Robinson and, and, and uh, uh, no, Glenn Robinson? That was, that or was, was the, the same five. Five, 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 five. Yeah, five. It was in uh, 92. Yeah. yeah and, okay. I mean, just think about how many, and also the fact that, like, who's the best Duke player? In in to Duke go to the history. NBA, Grant Hill. Grant Hill. I mean, as far as success at the NBA level, you would say Grant Hill, and his career wasn't a fraction of what a lot of people thought it was because of the ankle injuries, and and he had to completely change his style of play. A lot of people thought he would never play again. By the time he came, y'all back, think he's still Grant a good Hill player. in the history of the the. Duke, Duke is, is better than Christian Leitner. Yeah. He's higher and, on the M- list. Yeah, NBA-wise, yeah. Better and, and, NBA, NBA. Yeah, oh, better okay, NBA okay. career. NBA career. Yeah, I mean, he okay. was a seven-time NBA yeah. All-Star. He was yeah, the I, I, I was just year. making sure we were. Cl- I and was clear. Look, uh, you, well, hold on now. Where does Kyrie well, fall that's, that's that? Well, that's the thing. Kyrie only played like six games at Duke. That's why people are... are <laughs> they don't even remember him. He played one season. Don't be No, I swear What about Zion? Look at, like, look how... Leach, double-check how many games Kyrie played at Duke. I'm almost positive he played like less than 10 games his entire time there because he was injured. And so he came back. Uh, let's go live to I know how many games Kyrie played at Duke Insider Lead to Laugh for the Latest. He only played 11 games. In. Okay, so. In so college. Him, 11 you know, games in college. Yeah, you know, round, but, up, but, round up a but bit. But let me say this. He's already a seven-time NBA All-Star. He yeah. did win a championship, too. It's like, I don't know, man. You start to kind of look at, again, Grant Hill's career was impacted by an injury. Yeah. And so that's the hard part. Um, whereas, I mean, look, Kyrie was first pick overall. Hill was third. Um, and, and I think as a scorer, Kyrie's been everything you'd hoped he would be. Now, the problem is we can't see to get him, get him on the court there in Brooklyn this well, year. Um, yeah. Anywhere else, but not yeah. Brooklyn. They just took yeah, an L in Boston yeah. with him on the yeah, court. And look, Tatum, Jason Tatum's also uh, trying to make a push. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. He, 24 years old, uh, put up 50-plus yesterday. Yeah. So I, I think that. Tatum will end up being, but – 
right now, I'd say it's a battle between those two. Yeah, if that's if that's fair to say. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, two pros and a cup of Joe here on. I'm Fox going Sports with Trojan Radio. Langdon personally. Yeah, Trajan. You, you mean Trajan? I meant Trojan. That's what. I told you I didn't like Duke. I didn't like Duke. They called him off the court. That's like what you call him the Washington Commando. You know, Trojan Langdon. Funny, Levar. I've never heard you say that word before. Interesting. Never. Never here. He's always walking around barefoot. To Pittsburgh. Levar will be making balloon animals during the break. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.